Welcome on in, everybody, to another edition here of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Dominic Otto going here as your fill-in moderator. Tyler Jones is on vacation this week. We got the three-day stopping in today. We're going to hear from David Swope with ESPN Radio Albuquerque and the New Mexico Motorsports Report. And our guest, the godfather, Dave Moody, stops in tonight with the show, episode 34. But before we do, we'll get rolling here with David Starr. David joins the show as always. David, we took a couple of weeks off here. How's it been going for you? Man, I've been busy with my family and uh, catching up at our racing school business and uh, got a new little race car for my little boy. And man, I've just been busy catching up, being a dad, being a husband. And uh, man, I can't wait to get to Michigan, man. Messing the last two road courses, man, people don't know what that feels like. You know, when you, once you do this for 24 years and you select to mess the road courses in 2021, man. I can I can assure you that's no fun. But man, the the race in the last couple of weeks at the at the road courses have been incredible. I can't wait to to talk to the Godfather, hear his his uh, opinions, and uh, talk about you know the last couple of races. And uh, but man, I'm I'm definitely looking forward to getting the Michigan International Raceway, get back to racing. That's for sure. David Swope. ESPN Radio Albuquerque 101.7 team. The New Mexico Motorsports Port joins us on the show this week. Dave, you've been a friend of the show since day one, and we're finally happy to bring you on tonight. Thanks for joining us. Well, I'm, uh, I feel honored to be here, especially with the godfather in the house. I mean, uh, you know, being, being a guy in media, uh, to, to be on a panel with him, and of course, David Starr is great, but um, being a, a former, you know, promoter of the local racetrack here, I have a lot of sympathy with what happened with the track on Sunday afternoon and really can't wait to get into some uh, some dialogue about that. Absolutely. We're going to break all that down. But before we bring in the Godfather, here to remind you that the folks at Whataburger are serving up hot and fresh every day. Don't forget that every Whataburger is made fresh, <laughs> served hot and prepared just the way you like it. You want jalapenos on that? No problem. They've got you covered. Whataburger, proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Now to bring in our guest for this week. The Godfather, Dave Moody. You can catch him on Sirius XM Speedway. He's also the lead turn announcer for the Motor Racing Network, a position he's held for many years. Dave, thank you so much for joining us on the show tonight. My pleasure, guys. Great to be here. Oh, yeah. So, well, we got to start with some backstory here. I know you have a really cool backstory on how you got started in motorsports and you got to do some PA announcing. And there's a little connection there with Ken Squire. Tell us how it all started. Uh, there's a big connection there with Ken Squire. I, I grew up at a little racetrack in Barry, Vermont, uh, Thunder Road, owned by Ken Squire. Uh, wow. Built the place in 1961, same year I was born. Uh, and about my fifth year on the planet, fifth or sixth year on the planet, my uncle, who used to drive over uh, an hour and a half one way every Thursday night and every weekend that they ran the Thunder Road, Finally figured out that he had uh, a perfectly useful nephew uh, just down the road, so he might as well grab me and take me to the races. And as is the case with so many people, uh, the first time I walked through the gate and saw that, that racetrack and saw those race cars, man, I've been ruined for anything else. And I, I spent most, most every night they raced, I was there. And uh, you know, when Ken Squire got to the point where he was really busy, late 70s, early 80s, got really busy with CBS Sports, traveling all over the world, doing various sporting events. He, he needed somebody to take over the PA microphone. 
I'm still not entirely sure how he picked me. I was writing a, a column for one of the racing trade papers back then. And, and maybe he realized, you know, that I had a serviceable vocabulary. Probably he looked around and just saw me standing off to the side with my finger in my nose one night and said, that kid's got time on his hands. But either way, uh, I lucked out and he decided he was going to teach me how to be a racetrack announcer. And, and he did. And ever since then, you know, 30 odd, 40 years late, well, more than that now because it's been it's been like 45 years um every every door that i've ever had open ken squire opened for me and uh, and i owe a lot to him a lot man Moody, that's that is that's awesome man is thunder valley still uh, operating today oh absolutely yeah thunder road uh thunder. The, this all came from squire the nation's site of excitement high atop quarry hill barry vermont star they race on thursday nights it's the only track I know of that not only makes it, but makes it big on Thursday nights. And the reason for that is the town that they're located in, Barry, Vermont, its number one industry back in the day was granite quarries. And, and all of the workers worked in the granite quarries or they worked in the stone sheds making, uh, making like cemetery markers and gravestones and the like. All of the granite sheds got paid on Thursday. So Squire, being as smart as he was, said, I'm going to get the first crack at their money before the grocery store and the movie theater and the bowling alley do. So we're going to race on the night that they got paid. And Thursday night is race night in Barry, Vermont, and has been for decades. Well, Dave, uh, I, I got my start actually uh, as an announcer for our local racetrack. And I tell you, one of the things that used to terrify me um, was the names. Uh, pronouncing all the names right, because well, you know you go in the pits and if you mispronounce somebody's name, um, you really hear about it. Well, what was the hardest name that you ever had to learn to pronounce at the local racetrack? Well, it, it was a mixed bag because uh, there's, a, <laughs> there's a very thriving Italian community in Barrie. And we are also close enough to the Canadian border. You can almost throw a rock into Canada. So we got a lot of drivers out of Quebec, a lot of French Canadian guys. So, wow. you know, uh, we would we would have Jean-Paul Cabana and Claude Aubin and Rainy Lalumiere. And we'd have all those <laughs> French guys. And boy, if you pronounced it wrong, they would get up in your stuff real quick. So, so you know, between the Tony Coluccios and the Emilio Girellis and the Rainy Lalumieres, <laughs> you were on the job all night long. That's fantastic. Oh, absolutely. And, and Dave, for you, what point did you realize you're doing this, the local track, you're handpicked by Ken Squire? Was, what, what was that first point in time you realized, hey, I can make a career out of this, or this is this is really taking off? I'm still not entirely sure it's going to work today. <laughs> so, I, you know, I never, I never really did. I was, I was perfectly happy being a short track public address announcer. And, you know, after I'd done it for a few years, it got to the point where I was doing a track on Thursday and a track on Friday and a track mm -hmm. on Saturday and a touring series on Sunday. Uh, you know, it was making enough to survive on. And I never really thought of anything bigger than that. Um, but again, Ken was kind of the mover and the shaker on all of this. You know, he was one of the guys that founded the Motor Racing Network. Mm -hmm. And as we got on into like the early to mid 80s, MRN needed some fill-in guys because, you know, the truck series was coming along and they had, they had a few weekends where they had two different races at two different tracks in different parts of the country and they just needed warm bodies. And Squire hit, hit up John McMullen, who was running the network at that time and said, you know, I got a kid up there in Vermont that you really ought to check out. And, and John McMullen called me in uh, like 
a week before Daytona and said, would you be interested in coming to Daytona Beach? We'll pay for your flight. We'll put you in the hotel. We'll, we'll send you out to a turn one day for practice and you can do a little audition. Well, I certainly wasn't going to say no to that. Yeah, and I went and I and I did my deal. And here I am, like 35 years later, still plugging along. Man, man, Moody, I, I just unbelievable stories. But man, having a mentor like Ken Squire, man, us, man, growing up uh, as a kid in Houston, Texas, idolizing AJ Foyt and watching all the races on TV and Man, Ken Squire, golly, man, that, that guy, I just remember him saying, you know, kept, uh, Vermont's, Vermont's most, whatever, you know, the way he, the state and the city they were from, and he was awesome, man, and uh, to have a man. Looks like we're having a little trouble with Dave there. We We've go. always had trouble with David Starr. <laughs> hey, Starr, are you with us? Well, I think that I think David was actually talking about, you know, kind of ha having a mentor and somebody of that level. I mean, I was lucky enough uh, at the Daytona 500. I think, what was it, 2015 when we went out there, Dominic, um, and actually had King Spire yeah. on my show. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really neat to, to hear. He's really a radio guy at heart. I mean, and, and to to be picked and to be able to, of course, get such a view, you know, from a corner and be able to call a race. And I, I really like how, um, uh, you know, they've been like the last race, they actually called it what they called radio style. Um, yep. And I thought it was fantastic. And, and the broadcast was excellent. Yeah, they, they do that a couple of times a year. Usually they do it at Watkins Glen and they do it at Indianapolis. And and my buddy Mike Bagley is, is one of the guys that, that they bring in to help do that and, and just kind of call the corner the way we do on radio where, uh, you know, you just pretend you can't see, right? I mean, you're uh, on radio, your audience is blind and you have to tell them uh, whether they're side by side or nose to tail or a car length apart or three car lengths apart. TV, you don't have to bother with any of that because they can see it. You know, you've got more time time to to kind of analyze and speculate and talk about what may happen next uh, when you're doing a radio call man you got to be spot on with what's happening right now because if you get to pontificating about what you think the strategy will be a half an hour from now people get really angry because they go blind they can't see the race yeah absolutely but man you uh Moody, you just man you brought so much good race into the fans i mean everywhere we go you're doing autograph sessions, you meet people, they say, you know the Godfather? I'm like, yeah, I know the Godfather, you know? But, man, you uh, you have just done such a good job and brought racing up front to the fans, like the ones that can't see it. This is what you guys and the team you have around you do on MRN Radio. Uh, and then the following you have, you got a huge following. Well, we've been at it a long time, as you know, David. We started uh, with the Sirius XM Speedway show it's been 18 years. We started, we started the day after Matt Kenseth won the 2003 Cup Series Championship. Why in the world you would start a brand new motorsports talk show the day after the season ended when every driver was on a cruise ship or an airplane <laughs> or an island? I mean, it was the dumbest idea ever. When they hired me to do it, I figured I'd be lucky if we got two years out of it. And here we are 18 years later, wow. it's still doing it. And it, it amazes me every single day. Hey, the dumbest ideal turned out to be the most brilliant ideal. Look at all these years later. I mean, you, 
I mean, I don't know. You're probably the longest lasting. I mean, the longest running show that's consistent that's been there. You know, I mean, I just and the the news and behind the scenes and what y'all do for the race fans is unbelievable, man. And I and I I know the the fans love it, and I, I hear about it all the time. You know, and uh, y'all got a great show, no doubt about it. Well, we have a great time, you know, and, and still today, I really enjoy, and I know, you know, you, you do the same thing because I know I, I see you on a Friday night or a Saturday night at Talladega or Pocono or Richmond or Martinsville. There's nothing more fun than just wandering around out there in the campgrounds, meeting race fans, find out where they're from and who they like. And, you know, if it's their first race or their 101st race, it's just fun, man. I was a, I was a race fan the day I showed up and I'll be a race fan the day they throw me out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this week, too, kind of just interacting with the fans and the, the fans that call in at 866 Pit Lane. It seems like you have so much fun interacting with everybody from all across the country, whether they're driving a truck somewhere or they're going from point A to point B or they're listing their office. Just seems like a lot of race fans just love to levitate towards what you have to say and just love to interact with you. Well, and that's part of, you know, that's a huge part of what we do. It is, at the end of the day, it is sports talk radio. And the most important word out of the bunch is talk. And, and you, you got to let people, you, you got to let people have their say as the host. You know, you, you want to hear what people have to say. You want to hear their opinion and their, and their, take, their take on what's happening in the sport. You don't necessarily agree with all of them. I mean, it, it's, you know, it's not uncommon for me to point out that one of our callers, that I'll, the way I phrase it to him is, your submarine has a screen door. <laughs> and that's, that, that's my way of saying what what you're saying doesn't exactly work. You haven't quite figured it all out. But the fun of it is hearing what they have to say and then kind of going back and forth with them a little bit. We have a great time. I probably talk to in 20 hours a week of live sports talk radio, 18 years worth. I've probably talked to more NASCAR fans than anybody on the planet. And I wear that as a badge of honor. Absolutely. Thank God for you, man. And, and that's why the people love you, man. They know Moody has an opinion. He's going to give it to you. And uh, I mean, you know, the ins and outs of this sport, you've been doing it forever. And uh, that is, a, it, it's a good thing. You let people talk, but uh, you call them out when it's not spot on and, uh, and people appreciate that. It's real, man. And uh, that's what they love about you, Moody. No doubt about it. I'll let you in on a little secret. They don't all love me. And that's, and that's okay. That's okay, too. You know, Squire told me a long time ago when I got started in this sports talk radio business, and I did, I did a show very similar to Speedway back on Ken's radio station in Vermont. It was only an hour a week instead of four hours a day, five days a week, but it was basically the same show. And he told me many, many years ago, and I've never forgotten it. He said, when you do what you're doing, and that's opinions, some people are going to love you. Some people are going to hate you, and there's not a darn thing you're going to do to change anybody's mind. So just be yourself, be honest, and call it like you see it. And I've, I've tried to do that. Right. No matter all the good you can do in the world, you will still be the villain in somebody's story. That's it. Absolutely. Well, and Dave, too, I mean, with your show, how much, how much preparation do you do? I'm curious, like, on the legwork you're having to do before you go on air and the stuff that fans don't really get to hear about. I mean, how much work are you doing? pre-show, post-show, production, all that. How, how much goes in or what's a typical day look like for you? There's a lot of it, uh, but I'll, I'll be totally honest with you. There's less prep work needed because I do it every single day. 
uh, at this time of year, you know, between February and November, when, when we're ra in racing season, most weeks I work seven days a week. I'm on the radio for five and at the racetrack calling the actual races on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so you don't have to work hard to catch up if you never fall behind. Right. But, you know, Mondays in particular, you know, I've got to have, I got to have all the finishing orders. I got to have all the point standings. I got to have all the stats and the statistics. I have to watch every lap of every race every week because if I don't, in the first hour on Monday, somebody's going to call and ask me a question that I don't know the answer to. You know, and I can I can sound dumb all on my own. I don't need any help, so I need <laughs> I need to do the homework, or or it's not going to go well. So yeah, it's it's something that you just resign yourself to. You're going to have to do the homework, or it's not going to work. Yeah. Hey Dave, I got a question. A question, man. As long as I know. You where did the nickname The Godfather come from? How did that, who gave that to you? Where did that come from? I mean, you're just, you know, we know you as Moody, but everybody's yeah. like The Godfather, The Godfather, you know what I mean? I'm like, man. It, it didn't come from me, I'll tell you that, but, but there is a story. <laughs> Many okay. years ago, uh, early days of Sirius XM NASCAR radio, uh, John Kernan, who was mm -hmm. involved in the sport, still is, but was very much back then, was the co-host of the, of the Midday Show. And someone asked him one day who had been the first one on the channel. And, and I, don't, I don't exactly know how he got from where he started to where he finished, but he started out by saying, well, Moody was here first. He was the one that chopped down all the trees and dynamited the stumps and picked all the rocks and plowed the fields and planted the corn. And then the rest of us just showed up for Thanksgiving dinner. How he went from that, how he went from Thanksgiving to the Godfather, I don't know. I guess he just said, you know, and at the end of the day, he's kind of the Godfather of the channel. And you can't say anything on the radio without people just running it into the ground and <laughs> and that's what they've done ever since i mean from that day on i showed up for work that day and signed on the air and everybody's like hey godfather hey godfather They're like what <laughs> in the hell are these people talking about and they had to clue me in during a commercial of what john kernan had said and that's that's probably 12 14 years ago now i can't get away from it man it's stuck and man was it perfect man it's spot yeah. on it's just it's just kind of fitting so uh moody Man, you know, you've been doing this for so long and to have a mentor like Ken Squire, can you think of all just such a, all the great, our sport has just been so, through so many transitions and, and man, we've been so blessed, all of us, to be part of such a great industry and a great sport. Tell us some of the stories and things that happened over the years that were some of your biggest stories that had a lot of meaning on uh, you know, thinking this back all these years, what comes to mind? You know, what really stands out to, to, to Moody? Well, I, and I need to say, too, I've been doubly blessed, actually, David, because I went to Ken Squire High School and then I went to Barney Hall University. Because oh, absolutely. I, I went to the Motor Racing Network. And, and got to work alongside the great Barney Hall for a couple of decades as well. And he, you know, he was like Squire. Ken was a little different. Ken was a little more upfront. He would pull you aside and he'd say, here's seven things you screwed up last night. And here's two <laughs> things you did right and fix them. And he'd tell you how to fix them. 
Yeah. Barney kind of led by example most of the time. Okay. But one of the things Barney told me, and I've never forgotten it, he said, before you talk about something on the air, ask yourself two questions. And you know as well as I do, Star, Barney knew everything that went on in that garage. Everything. And every driver looking for a ride, Barney knew. Every sponsor looking to switch teams, Barney knew. Mm -hmm. He put more drivers, teams, and sponsors together than anybody in the sport, and nobody ever knew it because – he didn't talk about it, right. but he always said to me, before you talk about something on the air, ask yourself two simple questions. Does this have to be said? And does this have to be said by me? And if the answer to either one of those questions is no, keep your mouth shut. And that has kept me out of so much trouble over the years. <laughs> wow. That's man. Can you, I mean, you are double blessed. I mean, to work with two iconic guys that, in our sport i mean that i mean that just that's unreal man what a blessing dude that's unbelievable that's why you're the freaking godfather and you're <laughs> moody and people love you man uh, you've had some great mentors man and, and and talking about barney hall and ken squire how is ken squire doing he's doing all right um he had he had covid uh um, right. you know a few months ago and quite honestly he he was not supposed to live uh the, the doctors called the family and said, you need to get here and you need to get here fast because he's not going to make it through the night. Wow. Well, he's, he, he, you know him well enough to know, man, he's stubborn. Nobody's ever told him <laughs> anything in his life to do that he didn't want to do. And, and, and flat out, he just didn't die. And he was laid up for a long time and he was in a, a rehab center for a long time and he didn't get out of bed for a couple or three months. Wow. That's how he was. But by, by, and, and by the time they got him back on his feet, it had been so long since he'd been on his feet that he had to relearn how to walk again. Uh, there were a lot of, you know, it, it's been, it's been very difficult. He's still pretty unsteady on his feet. Um, cognitively, he has some days where he's the same Ken Squire we've always known and loved. Right. And there are some days where the names don't come to him as quickly as they used to. And, and sometimes, you know, the stories don't all mesh together the way they used to. Sure. Uh, but we're just so darn happy to still have him with us. We'll take anything we can get. Matt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, man, that's, you get to the, um, oh, I was just going to ask, but did you get to stay in touch with Ken often? Are you guys in touch pretty frequently? Yeah, we, we talk a lot. Either I'll call him or he'll call me every at least every couple of weeks. Um, whenever I get home, I'll see him at the racetrack because he pretty much lives there still. And, and, you know, we'll go get, uh, we'll go get dinner, you know, with, with his daughter and his son-in-law, who's a former racer. And, uh, yeah, we, we keep pretty, well, I keep pretty close track of him. He thinks he's keeping track of me too. And that's okay. I just let him <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Is he keeping up what's, uh, I'm sure as, as best as he can under the circumstances, you know, he keeps. You know, I know he eats, sleeps, and, you know, everything he does is, is auto racing, you know, and uh, yeah. I'm sure he's still on top of everything as much as he can under the circumstances. He'll call me every once in a while, Star, and he'll say, so what's the deal on that charter? What's going on with those <laughs> charters? How much are they getting for those charters? And I'll tell him, and he's like, are you kidding me? They're paying that kind of money for a charter? Yeah, they are, for sure. Times have changed, haven't they? Haven't changed. Nope. <laughs> You're listening to episode 34 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr here. David Starr in the house as always. David Swope joining us this weekend. We're joined by the godfather, Dave Moody. Before we continue, 
Just would like to remind you that the folks at Whataburger are cooking up 100% pure beef 24 hours a day. You can get your burger fix anytime, day or night, at Whataburger. They are proud to serve it up hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Moody, so we're now just a few races before the NASCAR playoffs start in the Cup Series. What have been some of the biggest surprises that you've observed this year? You said 18th year covering with MRN. You're talking about NASCAR every day. What are some of the biggest surprises you'd say you've seen this year thus far? I think it's really been the the change in the lay of the land. It's been, you know, a year ago, uh, Kevin Harvick and Denny yeah. Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. had won about three quarters of the races. I mean, they didn't leave, they didn't leave much oxygen in the room for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, Truex is still getting it done. He's got, you know, got three wins, but Hamlin and Harvick have combined for a giant goose egg. You know, Denny's been at the top of the point standings for most of the season, but he hasn't won a race. Harvick's down there around eighth, ninth, tenth in the standings, hasn't won a race. And all of a sudden, you know, we got these young kids. We got Chase Elliott and we got Kyle Larson and we got, you know, William Byron and Alex Bowman. And all of a sudden, man, they're they're pretty hard to guard. And these old guys that are used to having their own way are not having their own way anymore like they used to. Well, and I, one thing that really stuck out to me this year is um, to see the return of the bow tie. Um, and, you know, I mean, really a lot of strength. And it's, it's not just uh, Hendrick, um, but has been, you know, some of the other Chevrolets out there. Um, that's got to be um, not a surprise as much as, actually a relief to actually see that kind of come back to the fold yeah the chevy fans haven't had to suffer very much in the last three <laughs> decades that's for sure they got like they got about 800 manufacturer championships a couple yeah. of thousand wins i'm exaggerating a little but not right. much you know so yeah they had a couple or three years where where the pickings were a little slimmer you know jeff gordon retired dale jr retired casey kane retired you know, jimmy johnson retired johnson, yeah. at least from nascar so it was a little tough for them for a while and and they didn't you know the chevy fans don't have a lot of practice at losing so they took it pretty <laughs> hard for a while but uh they're right back at the top of the mountain again hendrick motorsports is is Ooh. right where they've always been and i don't know uh, i don't know if one leads to another or they both kind of play into it uh but the blue oval has taken a little step backwards you know ford is is struggling a little bit this year penske is is okay but not super great and Stuart Haas Racing is just struggling right now. Uh, you know, Eric Almirola is the big winner in the house with one, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody expected that this year. No, no. Yeah, it's a, it's amazing for Stuart Haas to be so dominant last year, to have, for Harvard to have nine wins. And, you know, I think that's one of the biggest stories of the 2021 season is just, you know, how Stuart Haas has just not performed – like we're used to seeing them perform, you know, I mean, who would ever thought this deep into the season that Kevin Harvick wouldn't have a win after having so many wins last year, you know, it was just amazing. And seeing the dominance of the Hendrick Motorsports and uh, just, it's just a lot of big stories out there, but I would have never thought when the season, when we started the season at Daytona that Denny Hamlin and Kevin Harvick wouldn't have a win by this time of the season, you know, so very shocking. Denny Hamlin's gone 36 races with one uh, with one win. Uh, you know, that's a full season, 36 races. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and, and you never would have thought it. But, David, you know how it is. You've been in this sport for a long time. And every once in a while, you hit on something. 
and it really works well. And man, you keep it under your hat. You Absolutely. don't tell. You don't even tell your wife what you found, <laughs> man, because you you can't keep a secret in this business for very long. No. Well, Stuart Haas and the Ford camp, they found a little something back there in those rear fender wells. They were Absolutely. doing some tricks. It, yep. it was nothing. It was nothing illegal, but no. it wasn't explicitly covered in the rule books. And they were doing some things with air back there, getting air out of those wheel wells and out yep. from under the race car. And it gave them a really good advantage for a while. And boy, they milked that advantage for as long as they could. But it got out eventually. And NASCAR kind of took it away and said, you know, we don't want people spending tons of money in the wheel wells of the race car. So they changed the way they inspect things a little bit. And you know how it is. It breaks your heart when they find your secret, but nobody keeps it forever. Man, it's it's amazing what they were doing in the area they were working in. And when NASCAR kind of figured it out and changed a rule, it's amazing the difference, the performance of how the car performs on the racetrack when you take that advantage away from a racing team. I mean, it just goes to show you how competitive it is. And you can find a little bit of something with air and they take that away from you. You just see, you can see the difference. It's night and day. You know what I mean? So, and now Hendricks, I feel like, you know, Hendricks has been strong since the season started, but they have found something. I mean, they're dominance. They've always been dominant, but man, it's amazing. I looked up Sunday afternoon and in first, second, and third, you know, Larson, uh, Elliott, and, and Byron, first, second, third. That's what we're usually seeing now. You know, it's it's not uncommon to see Hendrick first, second, and third during the race, you know. And then and then I don't know how many times they finished first and second this year, but it's 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 a lot. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I, I ran through the list of all the guys that have retired from Hendrick Motorsports in the last five or six years. But, you know, Mr. H, uh, what's the old saying? He doesn't rebuild, he just reloads. And, <laughs> he, he, you know, he's got these young kids in there now. He he doesn't need another driver for 15, 18, 20 years. We'll all be long gone before Hendrick Motorsports needs to hire another driver. Absolutely, man, absolutely. But it, it's amazing to see what they have accomplished and what they've done and, Unbelievable, you know, unbelievable. Yeah, pretty cool. One thing we would joke about on this podcast and on Slope's Saturday morning show on ESPN Radio Albuquerque is, are we going to have 17 winners? Are we going to see 18 winners in the Cup Series? Because it seemed like it was trekking towards that. Were you kind of thinking the same thing there? Or was that a lot of, like, fan interaction you were getting throughout the season? Hey, we may see a winner get snubbed from the playoffs. The same thing has happened every year since the playoffs began. We get about 10 races in. And people freak out. Oh, my God, we're going to have 17, 18, 19, 25 different winners. We're getting all these new winners. And I try and tell them, I, just calm down. We're, we're going to get about what we always get. We're going to get somewhere between 12 and 15. And it's not usually 15. And, and by about the two-thirds mark of the regular season, all of a sudden we'll have a run where we don't have any new winners for five or six or seven weeks, and people will finally calm down. And then it all ramps up again about this time of year because, you know, people delude themselves into thinking that we're going to get four consecutive first-time winners in the final four regular season races of the year. Never happens. Yeah. Never has. I I'm not saying it never will. One of these years we'll get 16 winners and somebody will get left out, but um, it hasn't happened yet. And usually if you're going to, if you're trying to figure out what's going to happen next, take a look back at what's happened in the past. Cause that's usually a pretty good yardstick. Absolutely. Well, and if, you, if you consider the fact that AJ Allmendinger with that win 
um, not not el eligible um, in cup. Um, big, big, big win for the team. Big win for Colic. It was it was excellent to see. Of course, another fantastic finish. But um, if he would have been eligible, I mean, we, we would be having this conversation still about is it going to happen? So now we actually have uh, somebody qualified on points. But I, I, I wanted to ask you, Moody. I, I'm actually kind of amazed that there hasn't been as much talk about the 2022 car. Is that because, you know, the playoffs are coming up and then once we get into the playoffs, some of the other teams that have, are not contenders are going to start working towards that car? Or why, why are we not hearing much about the 2022 car? I think the reason is primarily that we're, you know, we're not seeing it. It's on the racetrack every once in a while and they're testing it and they've got chassis now. They've got components in the race shops and they do have, they do have people working on them. But it's not the race teams that are out there on Sunday afternoon racing. You know, at least the big teams have got a separate group of people that are kind of mm -hmm. over in a corner of the shop somewhere working on the next-gen race car. Yeah. Pretty soon here, in the next month, I guess, or so, we're going to start having some organizational testing where every team is going to bring out a car, and we're going to have 25 or 30 or 35 of them on the racetrack. And then, you know, playoffs or not, we're going to talk about it. We're going to have to. But – Right now, we're kind of focused on what counts the most, and, and the teams are, are putting about 90% of their efforts still into this year rather than next. That's true. Absolutely. I just think the playoffs, who's going to make the playoffs? The racing is so good. There's so much excitement, you know, that we're just kind of, you know, so much going on that, man, what's right in front of us is who's going to make the playoffs and just all the excitement, you know, a lot of big stories out there. and you know, new drivers coming in for uh, the new teams for next year, new owners. So just a lot of great news and a lot of excitement. A lot of people are paying attention. And I feel like that the, the, the next-gen car has just kind of been put on the back burner a little bit because there have been so much other news to talk about, so much other cool news, you know. So. That, that's it. I mean, there have been so many great storylines this year. You know, you can juggle five or six balls, but eight or ten, man, is out of the question. And I think, you know, at a certain point, the the media people have just had to decide. All right, we're gonna we're gonna shove that next gen car uh, a little bit onto the back burner, and we'll get to that. You know, once we get to September, October, November, we'll get onto that. But it's uh, we really don't have a whole lot of time, and we don't have enough column inches to cover it right now. Right. Moody, I can't remember. It's been a long time since we had so many great stories, new team owners coming in, you know, different drivers getting new opportunities. It's just been a lot of cool stories in 2021 and, you know, the schedule changing and it's just, man, it's been a cool year as far as I'm concerned. What's, what's your thoughts on all that? I think so too. I think we're going to look back on, on 2021, David, as, as, uh, a really a year of change in our sport mm -hmm. because you know the the advent of the next gen race car it's going to radically change the business model and you're and you're as familiar with this as everybody you know you know what it costs to race Absolutely. and it's tough and at the cup level man there are only, there's only so long we can continue to survive when it takes 30 million dollars to compete for the championship yeah, there aren't just, very many companies out there with $30 million of, of discretionary income. And if this next-gen car is going to dramatically change the business model, the little team can buy the exact same chassis, the exact same components, the exact same body as the big team. It's not going to make everybody equal, but it's going to narrow the playing field. It's going to narrow the gap from third to 30th, that's for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. 
and it's going to cut the cost. You know, I had a conversation off the record with a pretty prominent team owner a few months ago. And off the record, he said, listen, it's going to cost us a fortune in year one because we're going to have to throw away a lot of stuff and buy a lot of new. Year two, it'll be it'll still cost us money. Year three, it might cost us a little money, but we'll probably break even. But year four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and ten, we're going to be in way better shape than we ever have been before, uh, at least in the recent history of the sport. And I think that's really the reason why you're seeing guys like Michael Jordan and Justin Marks and Pitbull and all of these new team owners that are talking about coming in hearing a lot of rumblings about maybe a, a, a new, another new manufacturer coming in or returning to the sport by the 2023 season. So wow. I don't think all those things are coincidences. I think the business model makes a lot more sense now than it did. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And I just heard of, you know, another celebrity type guy interested in coming. I mean, I just think, you know, it says a lot about our industry and, and, and a lot about where our sport is headed when you got people like Pitbull and Michael Jordan and Justin Marks and, you know, a lot of new interest, you know, so I think our sport, our industry is headed in the right direction. Not that it was ever in the wrong direction, but I just see a lot of growth in, in, in what's going on in, to, in today in our sport today. So pretty exciting, pretty cool stuff, you know? Yeah. Episode 34 here of Let's Go Racing with David Starr, always presented by the great folks at Whataburger. Don't forget, you can stop by Whataburger for a hot, hearty breakfast any morning or late at night. They're serving up breakfast from 11 p.m. to 11 a.m. Whataburger, just like you like it. So, Swope, we'll go to you for this next segment. We'll transition into our news and notes. We always like to talk about the daily headlines and the weekly headlines going around our sport and our industry. What's on the top of the list this week? Well, of course, uh, just a few hours ago, um, NASCAR updated its um, COVID um, restrictions uh, in, in response to the, um, the Delta virus. Um, and, and some of the high points, of course, um, guests are no longer permitted uh, to access team haulers in the, or garage stalls. Uh, guest access to the grid has been suspended until further notice. Um, you know, a lot of other things that are they're spe specifically around drivers and involvement and, you know, interaction with media and outside um, of the sport. Um, and of course, you know, I mean, we got to take this seriously, but one thing I do commend NASCAR on, and I would be, you know, uh, was how they handled the 2020 season. Basically, um, they, they set the standard, they set the gold standard um, for how to do it. And for them to, to step forward, already have this in place and know, uh, know what they're doing, uh, I think is tremendous. And I, I've heard Moody say many times, um, and I'd love to hear uh, David Starr's perspective of how much respect when he goes out and he deals with the public of how they feel about how NASCAR stayed true and stayed to the forefront uh, during the sport. But that, that's the latest specifically um, in COVID. Uh, David, uh, David Starr, what was, because we're all Davids uh, other than <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, your opinion, I mean, because a lot of, you know, the, the racing um, is based on sponsor and sponsor engagement. And, of course, a lot of them is bringing the sponsors and fans to the track. With the COVID situation and what we went through, um, NASCAR really stepped up and did a great job. How, how did it impact your team specifically? Well, I mean, it's interesting because I think NASCAR really set the tone and they, they did a hell of a job. I mean, to get our sport go back going, to be kind of the first professional sport to, to 
put in play in their procedures and process. You know, the world was watching them, watching us. And, and man, NASCAR, I, I take my hat off. They did a tremendous job, you know. But as the virus, uh, as, as we saw it get better and better, NASCAR kind of relaxed our, our garage area and we started letting our uh, start opening up the stands, 30, you know, 30%, 50%, now 100%. I mean, our sport is our sport is made and driven off our race fans. You don't have a, a sport if you don't have the race fans, but, but we had to protect them. And I think NASCAR did a good job with all of that, you know. But as a small team and somebody that goes out and, and I go out and get all the sponsors I can for my racing team, you know, it's hard for an independent like Carl Long and myself because, man, we're selling, you know, we're, we don't have millions and millions of dollars. You know, we're operating on 500,000, 700,000. But, you know, a lot of our sponsorship is part of bringing their customers, their employees to the racetrack and giving them that red carpet experience. And, man, they're, you know, when you do that, they sit on the pit box to go to the driver's meeting. You give them radios. You feed them lunch. I mean, they're so freaking excited. They can't wait to come back to the next race. You know, they want to sponsor another race. So that engagement with our sponsors is so important to every team out there because every team, our, our whole industry works on sponsorship. And so to hear, to hear, I was just on the phone before I got on this podcast with my team owner and some other sponsors you know, I'm concerned about this weekend because I got Cynic Transport sponsoring my whole car in Michigan. And, man, you know, they're bringing 14, 15 people entertaining their customers. And, man, it's uh, – uh, when I get off this podcast, I'm going to get back on the phone with the sponsor just to make sure that they're going to still be a sponsor for the Michigan race because that engagement with their customers and that experience that our sport gives our sponsors – it's not going to be there, but I understand NASCAR taking a lead and doing what they think is best to protect officials, the drivers, the team, the crew members, the fans. So, you know, it's a tough call, you know, but it's, it's a challenge. I can share with you. It's a challenge. It's not easy, but it's the right thing to do. What's your opinion on that, uh, Moody? I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on it. You know, it's, it's tough. Oh, you're yeah, you're spot on. You're spot on. It, it's all about, you know, giving those sponsors something back for their dollar. And it was it was amazing when we first got back to business last summer, you know, when when they said we can come back to racing, we're not going to have any fans. It's going to be strictly segregated. When we went back to it at Darlington, it was it was amazing to see because. Over here was a major executive from Major League Baseball, and over there's the guy from the NFL, and here's the guy from the NBA and Major League Soccer and, and the rodeo guy, and they were all there in the, the first few weeks that we got back because they wanted to see how we were doing it, how we were pulling mm -hmm. it off, how we were having an event and still keeping people safe. And, and every professional sports league in the country was coming to NASCAR races there at first to see how it was done. And they took it back and, and some of them used the same model and some of them didn't. But you're right. It's, it's very difficult. And everybody assumes that every sponsor is looking for the same thing. And you know as well as, as anybody uh, that different sponsors want different things. You know, some sponsors want 
uh, want to have space in the auto parts store on the end cap of the aisle to put their product and you can make a deal to, to get them that. Some sponsors want just the advertising. They want to be on TV and they want to be on the radio. And some sponsors, like you said, want to want to invite 15 or 20 of their top distributors from all over the country to come to Talladega or come to Michigan and have a weekend with us and go to the race and get treated like a VIP. And, and that's all they need out of it. And so it, it's not a one size fit all, uh, fits all world these days for sure. And it's going to get, I'm afraid it's going to get tough again before it gets easy again. Absolutely. And I think NASCAR, like you said, I think NASCAR just the whole world and every professional sport like Moody was saying was watching NASCAR. And man, I was so proud of our industry in how NASCAR went about doing it. You know, I, I would have hated to have been one of the NASCAR officials, executives that were m making these decisions. But man, they man, I, I was proud of our sport because our sport, they opened our sport back up. It was weird because it's weird to have a race and there's no fans in the stands because, man, NASCAR is all about the fans. You know, all the sponsors involved, the manufacturers, it's all about people buying products and seeing those race cars with the sponsors on them. But without the fans, we don't have a sport, you know. But, but man, we uh, NASCAR did a tremendous job and the, and the fans loved it. And, then, uh, you know, they commended NASCAR. And then when they started opening up the racetracks, man, they were there to come in and, and were proud to be there again. So, uh, so I mean, that was that was tough, but our sport did a tremendous job. And the whole, like Moody was saying, every other professional sport was there to watch and see how it was being done. Absolutely. We'll, we'll continue to yeah. bounce back and things will continue to get better. It just might take a little bit of time. Swope, what other headlines are we looking at over the course of this past few days? Well, big, big announcement um, on Monday uh, that uh, Josh Berry is actually going to get a full-time ride in uh, 2022 uh, with JRM um, and had a great, you know, a great season. Of course, uh, victory at Martinsville this year, uh, ran 13 of 16 Xfinity races, and he's going to get a, a shot to do it full-time. And, uh, and one, I, I mean, I, I got a question for uh, David Starr here. Um, so much talent in Xfinity. Um, I mean, you're, you're racing with, I mean, younger and younger and younger is probably uh, look over there and they're younger than your own son. And, you know, at some point, you know, you got to be saying, man, how much more talent can there be there? Uh, of course, you know, you look at what Dale Jr. is doing with his team. Uh, looks like it might be a fifth car next year. Um, and it's absolutely amazing. So, David, I got to ask you, I mean, what is it like um, racing with all of these young guns that have so much talent? Well, man, to have, to see that news that uh, Josh Berry was going to come full time with JR Motorsports for 2022, it's I love it. I'm so I'm so excited for Josh and and for you know it's cool to see all over the United States, man. You got these short track short track asphalt cars and short track dirt tracks and man, I, I'm I'm a fan. I grew up that way, man. I started in a bomber car and just worked my way. I never stopped dreaming and. You know, and I'm blessed that I made it. But it's cool to see a Josh Berry do the same thing. It doesn't happen that often where you drive yourself up to NASCAR, you know. And, and I think Josh Berry did that. And uh, to have an opportunity, his talent for him to win Martinsville and for Junior Motorsports to get behind him. And they're working hard. And, you know, it's cool to see somebody like Josh Berry make it because it lets everybody know all over the United States, this is a doable deal. If you want it bad enough, you have that desire and that passion, you want to make it to NASCAR, it's still achievable. 
you can make that happen. Look at Josh Berry. It's not that, you know, my parents don't have millions. You, you know, it, it, it's just refreshing to see that the sport still rewards kids that have passion, they have heart, they have desire. And if you work hard enough, and you're a great kid and a great, excellent race car driver, you there's a possibility you could make it to NASCAR. And that's what every, every kid, every girl, every young kid I see at these local dirt tracks and short tracks across the country, it's refreshing. And, and I, I think it's good for our industry. It just lets everybody know that this is possible. Look at Josh Berry. So Moody, how, how impressed are you with these, these, these young guns, if you will? And I mean, they come, they know how to do the sponsorship. They know how to do the, the engagement. They, um, they hold themselves. I mean, I, I, I'm blown away. I, I mean, they're more together than I was at 30 and these guys are 20. So yeah. what, what's your thoughts on that? I agree. I, I agree. We've got, you know, we've got kids that are 17, 18 years old coming into NASCAR national series competition. Now I could barely tie my own shoes when I was 17 <laughs> and, and these kids, they're standing up in front of cameras and microphones and national media, man, and they're fielding every question. They're out there on the racetrack getting the job done. And, and David, I, I so agree with you about Josh Berry. Josh Berry has drawn the roadmap that young racers around this country should try and follow. He got a very limited opportunity. Uh, you know, Dale Jr. had uh, quite honestly, the only reason Sam, uh, the only reason that Josh got in that car was because Sam Mayer wasn't old enough yet, right. and they right. said, "All right, until until whatever it was, July fourth, when when Sam comes of age, we'll give Josh the ride." And he made himself impossible to ignore because from day one he went to the front and he ran up front and he won at Martinsville. How do, you, how do you go back to Josh Berry and say, yeah, we don't have anything for you next year? Right. That, that's insanity. If, yeah. if Dale and Kelly don't give him something, somebody else sure as heck will because he that's has right. made his presence known. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So time for everybody's favorite segment of the show, Ask David. It's the part of the show where you get to chime in and get to send us your questions. You can always reach us at davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. You can also interact with us there on Facebook and Twitter when the posts go up midweek. We may ask your question on air. And our first question actually comes from Hallie Emery on Facebook. And this question's for you, Moody. She wants to know, what current track that MRN broadcasts from is your personal favorite? And is there a track, past or present, that you have never worked that tops your list? I've never worked at Indy. Uh, and I'd love to do that before we're done. Um, I, tend, I tend to favor both ends of the spectrum. I like the short tracks like Martinsville and Bristol because that's kind of where I came from. And I like the big tracks like Daytona and Talladega. I, I have to tell you, you know, standing up there on that Sunoco Tower in turn two at Daytona every February when they come down, you know, behind the pace car for the final time and the lights are off and you know that the next time by they're going to be they're going to be getting it on for real. It'll make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And the day that doesn't happen to me is the day that I'll stop doing it because it's still, that's still about as cool as it gets. Absolutely. So we have another question comes in from the mailbox. This one comes in from Alan. And actually it's a question for all three days. So feel free to, to answer. We'll go Moody, Star, and Swole. So you all travel 10 months out of the year to go cover and race in NASCAR, do what you have to do in the sport. When you don't have to travel to the racetrack, 
Where are some of your favorite destinations to travel to around the country or around the world? I, uh, I don't mind going to the beach. Uh, you know, uh, went, down to, went down to Myrtle Beach a couple of three weeks ago and spent a couple of days, you know, toes in the water, you know, the, the rest of it. Uh, that, that's all a good thing. I don't mind eating a little good seafood. Um, but I'll tell you what, as much as we travel, and Star will speak to this too, I know, as much as we travel, Every now and again, a little staycation isn't too bad either, where you just, you know, sit in a lawn chair on your back porch and watch the sunset. There's nothing wrong with that either. Man, I, 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 I got to follow Moody on that, man. I just, uh, man, I was dipping my toes in the sand uh, a couple weeks ago. We went down to uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama, uh, right there at Pensacola and Alabama State Line. And, uh, but, man, you know, when we race and travel so much, when I don't have to travel – Man, I don't mind kicking back in the backyard, uh, grilling some burgers and some steaks, and just relaxing around my pool. People say, "Hey, man, you are you know you're not going anywhere. You go." I say, "Hey, I just want to stay home." And a lot of times, people don't understand that when you travel as much as all of us do, having a week or two weeks off for our off season where you can just kind of chill out a little bit. Staying at home is not a bad thing for myself. I love my house. I love my backyard, and, and I don't get to enjoy it as much, but that's okay. One day I will, but right now I'm all race. <laughs> How about you, well, Smoke? I'm a little on the flip side because I, I do my show from the same place um, every week. Um, I don't get to go to the track, and the last year I didn't get to go to the track much at all. So I'm on the flip side. I, I like to get behind the wheel. I, I have a spec Miata. I uh, like to do some road racing. We've got a great local track here. I like to get out um, and, and put the helmet on. And so I can remember uh, what it's like to put that helmet on and basically lose my mind. Because that's what you drivers do, David Starr, is and that's why there's so much passion and everything that goes on. Likewise, I like to spend time with the family. Um, but I, I really like to go out and drive myself or even go to the drag strip or you know, I mean, anything that's going on, there is so much great motorsports in New Mexico um, that you can almost go. I mean, we got, we got what, four dirt tracks in the state of New Mexico. So it's all within two and a half hour drive. So I, I never run out of things to do, but, uh, uh, but that's what I like to do. I, I like to be on the other side and get behind the wheel. Moody, you ever been out here to New Mexico? I'm sorry. Have you ever been out here to the land of enchantment, New Mexico? I never have. No, that's one of the that's one of the few uh, 48 contiguous that I haven't hit yet. <laughs> one of these years. Yeah. Yep. All right. Cool. 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 Yeah, Another question comes in from the inbox from Jeffrey, and this is more for you, Moody. He wants to wants to know what are your thoughts on some of the callers and tweeters that you encounter on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, so, you know, I, I love them. I mean. Some of them are, are, are a little bit, uh, aren't necessarily tightly wound. Uh, we had a guy a year or two ago, it was it was in the immediate aftermath of that big wreck where Eric Almarola broke a couple of vertebrae in his back, Danica was in it, it was a, a, a vicious wreck. And the guy called on a Monday about halfway through the show and said, I think that they should put ejector seats in these race cars. And we, and we all laughed because we were, we were hundred percent certain that he was just, you know, cracking wise and making it. Right. He wasn't, he was totally and completely <laughs> serious. And, wow. and we had more fun. I mean, we, we were kind of laughing at him, but we told him we were laughing with him. And to this day, ejector seat Eddie is one of the, one of the, 
all time great of Sirius XM Speedway. People will call up from time to time and say, yeah, have you heard from Ejector Seat Eddie? No, we have not. <laughs> that's that's yeah. awesome, dude. God, that's awesome, man. Can't Y'all make it, it up, all, don't you? Can't make it up. You really can't. <laughs> and our, our final question comes from the inbox again. This is going to come from Anthony, and this is for both the broadcasters. And Swope, you kind of touched on a little bit, but you can expand on it. So for both Swope and for Moody, have either of you ever tried your hand at racing yourself? Let's go with Moody first. Uh, yes. And I was, uh, it became very clear which side of the fence my talent lay on. And it was not the competition side of the fence. Um, I'm, I think I'm too normal to be a race car driver. <laughs> this just in, racers are not normal people, right? Racers, racers will take a six foot wide race car and try and stick it in a four and a half foot wide hole and think that the math works out somehow. They see no reason at all why they shouldn't just attempt to do that. See, I'm like a normal person. When I was in the race car, every time I went to make a move, I'd be thinking about all of the things that could go wrong and how many cars I could tear up and how long I was going to have to work and how long, how much money I was going to have to spend fixing it when it all came apart in turn two. Real racers don't think about that stuff. They, they don't think there's a chance in hell that they're going to get wrecked. They just know that that six foot car will fit through that four and a half foot hole and they're going to win tonight. And that's why I could, I, I never made it as a racer. Okay. So what kind of stuff did you race, Moody? And how long did you race for? Oh, I raced like uh, eight-cylinder entry-level street stock division. I raced for like a couple of years uh, and and was shockingly ab shockingly average and uh, and then figured out that, that I could make more money and have more fun and, and not be terrible on the other side of the fence. So that's where I went. There you go. And now, on the other hand, Swope, you actually have some pretty impressive credentials behind the wheel. Well, I, I will have to say that, you know, I, I have been fortunate. Um, I have also been fortunate with some very talented people at finding those places within the rules to make me maybe look a little bit better than, <laughs> uh, than I necessarily am. That's part, as far as I'll go. But I, I knew right off the bat when I started racing go-karts at 15 and I'm showing up to the track with um with Robbie Unser uh racing against me and and Bobby being right there on the fence and Al Jr. showed up when he was 17 years old and he just won you know uh he was racing in uh Trans Am he just won the um, Formula Super B championship so I always knew that I was in a town where I was going to be average and it was pretty much as much fun as my dad and I were having and I will say that if, if, if my dad didn't, didn't help me with that and along the way, um, yeah, when, when the local track opened and I had a chance to uh, race the Super Beetle, um, you know, I was able to win a championship in 05. Um, but, but, but quite honestly, um, I still don't know how that shot got on my car, and we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Racing so, against those guys, I'd have cheated too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and hey, Moody, you're not cheating till you get caught. <laughs> see, that, see, that's that's not true, but that's another thing that separates racers from normal people. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do sometimes, I guess. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, man. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Hey, well, the cool part about it is, David, you got to 
race and your dad was right there with you. That's kind of a cool thing. You got to spend a lot more time with your dad than you probably wouldn't if you wasn't racing. You know what I mean? So that's kind of a cool deal right there. Well, and I think, I think David, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, there was a lot of times growing up where my dad and I didn't talk about much, but the things that we did talk about were racing. And I mean, he's still to this day, while I'm sitting here watching a race like Sunday, he, he said, are you watching this race, you know, with some caps? And, and I was like, well, of course I'm watching the race, you know, but, um, but yeah, I mean, when we couldn't talk about other things, we could always talk about racing. Absolutely, man. It's beautiful things. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's one lap to go on this podcast presented by Whataburger. So we're going to go around the room now before we wrap up the show. And Dave Moody, lead us off here. What's going to keep you busy over the next few days? Well, I'll be headed for, uh, headed for Michigan on Friday. We'll spend three days up there, uh, get, a, get a good liquor racing in up there. And then, you know, uh, about once more around the calendar and we'll be, we'll be full bore into the playoffs again. And, and once that starts, it's, uh, it, it all kind of runs together, right? I mean, because week one of the playoffs comes and goes and all of a sudden it's week five and you're eliminating people and you're moving on to the round of eight and you're moving around, uh, moving on to the championship four. In about 15 minutes here, we'll be at Phoenix ready to crown a champion. That's how quickly it goes. Yeah. Star, am I right? I mean, you get to this time of year and they it just flies by. Man, it flies by. No, no doubt. You hit the nail right on the man. You that was a perfect way to describe it. it does fly by for sure. Absolutely. And, and Dave Moody, real quick, too, where can the fans listening on our show, if they don't already, where can they follow you on Twitter, all the social media? Um, Twitter, at DGodfatherMoody. Uh, they, they talked me into that, at DGodfatherMoody. You know, I do – I'm on Instagram and, and LinkedIn and all that stuff. I don't use it. I'm, I'm, I'm there, uh, but, but I'm not really there. Uh, it's mostly Facebook and Twitter. And I've been, I think I've been smart enough to save the Facebook for, for actual friends and family, because if I didn't, man, I just, I just get overrun by people. Uh, so I've, I've kind of kept the fence up there a little bit, but Twitter's the best place to find me. Everybody hits me there. Absolutely. How about you, Star? What do you got going on the next few days? Man, I just, uh, man, fixing, I, I got a couple meetings tomorrow. I got to do some stuff over at our racing school at the Texas Motor Speedway. Then I'm flying out to Toledo, Ohio to do a couple things for the sponsor, then heading up to Michigan. But looking forward to a great race weekend this weekend, that's for sure. Absolutely. And Swope, what about you? What's keeping you busy over the next few days? Well, we have a really big National Street Rod Association show that's coming to town um, in, in just over about 10 days. Uh, so, of course, we're, we're getting ready for that. Um, we're interviewing a first-time winner, a sprint car, non-wing sprint car winner from last week. Uh, drag Strip's got a, a quick 16 um, event they're going, uh, going on. So we, we've got a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on uh, locally and um, looking forward to, uh, to covering it all. Absolutely. And just a quick reminder here for everybody, that don't forget that every Whataburger is made fresh, served hot and prepared just the way you like it. You want jalapenos and cheese on your burger? That's no problem. They've got you covered. Because Whataburger pr is proud to serve it hot and fresh 24 hours a day. Just a friendly reminder as we wrap up the show, you can follow us along on Facebook at David Star Podcast. You can always reach out through email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us along on Twitter at Star Podcast. 
And you can also reach out to us on Instagram, David Star Podcast as well, as we try to get that up running. We got to put the checkered flag out on this episode, 34 of Let's Go Racing with David Star For the Godfather, David Moody, David Star, David Stroll, I'm Dominic Cotagon. So long. We'll see you next week on the next episode.